Welcome to our next adventure with Chemology 411, a podcast about anything and everything. Kim and her guests will take you behind the scenes, behind the story, or behind the bar. So sit back, make sure your seatbelt is fastened, tray table in its upright position, all carry-ons stored under the seats. But for this adventure, electronic devices must remain on as we are ready to take off on our next adventure, introducing Kim Schultz and Kimology 411. Hi everyone and welcome to Season 3, Episode 122. This evening, our topic is going to be how America keeps Americans poor. I'm Kim Schultz and I'm your adventure coordinator for this show. Let's say hi to my co-host, Dyson. Harley. You know, I now pronounce my name that way when I introduce myself to people. I, I, I want some little bells. Ding dong ding. Hi, I'm Tyson. Harley. <laughs> and they're like, okay, see you later. <laughs> like, where are you going? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so cute. So cute. Yeah, um... So this evening I found this topic just for the fact that I had a conversation with someone. and You scouted me on this and said, I said, you're on fire, girl. You um, came up with a couple of real good ones. So it'll be interesting to see what else we have here. Well, I was, I was helping out one of my clients, low income, and they had bounced a couple checks at the bank and got charged $36 for each check. And $36 for them, that's a lot of money. That's probably the grocery store. Like, it's like you and I losing 150 bucks. Yeah. Like, because yeah. you're barely making it yeah. week to week. And so um, I had called the bank for them to see if we could get some of them, you know, taken away. I was able to get one of them taken away because it was basically a miscommunication. It was like a miss of the paycheck. Right. So. Um, that helped out a lot, but there was like two or three of them on there. <coughs> Excuse me. I, got, I have a tickle in my throat, so I keep trying to drink my water. <coughs> Sorry. Okay, so I was talking to a friend of mine, and I made this comment, and then I talked to her. Hold on, I'm going to take another drink. So I was talking to my friend, and she says, I mean, I said to her, I said, told her the story about this young lady, and she looked at me, like, straight in the eyes, and she was like, well, like, we don't deserve to have to pay those fees. We worked harder than that. And, like, it's not our fault that they have to pay those fees. They shouldn't shouldn't overdraw their account. And I told her, I said, you probably have draft protection, on yours to where even if you did overdraw you're not going to pay the 36 dollars and she's like well that's what you get for getting where we are we worked really hard to get what we have and what we do i guess they just should have worked harder in that she's kind of acting a like thing. it's a zero-sum game because right. to me it's just you know the, them deciding to or not I, penalize someone for being you know why couldn't it be i mean i get you don't want a bunch of overdrafts but there right. there could be some better rules Better. around it like average balance or something like that where you know that if someone only has an average of two balance of 250 or something like that 
36 is like a giant chunk for them. Yeah. And so it could be like a graduated from your average balance and no less than, I mean, shoot, isn't 10 bucks enough if someone is, is right. isn't 10 bucks enough when someone already doesn't have any money? But, but here's another thing when it comes to this, this scenario, and then we'll talk about the topic, but in today's technology, why is the account overdrawn? Why wasn't it declined? Why wasn't it rejected? Because they're looking to profit. Because you can do that with what's going on. I know that my daughter just got a card, and on her card, it will decline if she doesn't have enough money for that purchase. So if because people it's $35 for no work. That's yeah. why. So <laughs> Zero work. Yeah, so that's just one way of being taken advantage of. So that's when I came to you and I was like, I want to talk about more ways because as a society, we love to brag about our free food and we love to talk about housing. And especially with 2020 and 2021, so many more people have fallen into the poverty level because they're relying on government resources, but that still doesn't get them out of trouble when it comes to getting going and buying a new car or thing, stuff like that. So another thing, so we have banks. Let's just talk really quick about banks. You go in and you have all the different charges. You normally don't have a free bank account. If they don't have a free bank account, you have to pay, excuse me, a fee. But if you can keep $100,000, if you can keep $10,000, if you can keep $5,000 in your account at all times, there's no fee, you can get interest. That's cool, that's, that's exactly cool. Nobody making $10 an hour, working at 40 hours at $400 a week, getting their paycheck of $652 deposited in their account is gonna keep $5,000 in that account. That's just not gonna happen. They're, they're not gonna do that. But they also shouldn't have to pay $36 if their paycheck gets deposited the next day. There should right. just be something in there, like you said. It's maybe it goes to $36, but if the money comes in the next day, then they get a $20 credit and pay $16. I'm not saying don't, don't, discourage them because the reason that those fees are in there i get it is so that you don't just just spend the money and then you owe three thousand dollars to the bank and you're never going to get it you close that account you walk away and the bank's gonna they're just gonna write it off normally with the way the world works now is they should never have bounced anything it comes in click it back out you go to Walmart to get your groceries, they're $58. If you've got $40 in your account, when you use that card, it says decline. And then you go on your app and you're like, I need to put these three things away. And now my bill is $38. You may, okay. There's ways of doing this without allowing them to get those groceries that they, that they use coupons for to be charged that same amount for a bank fee. It's right. just idiocracy to me that they anybody thinks that that's a good thing. And I get yeah, it why and, they and do it. Yes, it's like, well, you got to learn to be accountable. It's like, aren't you already learning to be more accountable with your money when you find out that you're out of it? Yeah. I mean, do you really have to add the extra 
punishing <clears throat> uh, of yeah of, of some percentage that it, it, it means something to them yeah i mean ten dollars an hour 35 bucks is a, a more than half a day of work you know after taxes are taken out yep. it's like that means something to people barely getting from um, paycheck to paycheck and yes we do ignore it when people are like well, what's that it's just a it's just a little disincentive it's like hmm it's not just a little no. disincentive for about 30% of the population. I know I let myself do that when I wasn't making any money. I I uh, had some, back before Bank of America got sued, um, what they would do is if you did hit on a certain day uh, an overdraft, they would specifically order them from, at the end of the day, from biggest to smallest, so you would go, oh, you would overdraft the quickest. Right. And then... Um, you would therefore overdraft maybe four times four at thirty-five dollars a piece, even though it was a total of twenty-five bucks between the four. You know, yeah. you went to the convenience store and you know you went and got a little snack, knowing you didn't have a lot of money. And then you know, even if it was something along the lines of the overdraft, just clearly can't be any more than a hundred percent over what the charge was that overdrafted you. Right. Right. I mean. Yeah. It's you pay thirty six dollars for a four dollar and seventy two dollar four dollar and seventy two cent check. I, it doesn't make any sense to me, but it, that that just that just <clears throat> it, it it just annoys me that we don't keep them from overdrawing with technology that we have. We they shouldn't have to. They shouldn't be able to spend the money to take the money and. A lot of people are not educated even in that field to understand. And and even the worst thing now is that they're trying to make everything electronic and they want you to be using all of these different things. So your PayPal is connected to your debit card. You go on and you use your PayPal. The problem is, is that sometimes there's a day lag in what they're doing. It doesn't just hit automatically sometimes. So then people go in and check their balance and they automatically think, I used to work at the bank and they would come in and go, how much do I have in my bank account? I'd be like, okay, let me look. Like you have um, $473. I want to take out $400. I go, okay, well, do you have any outstanding outstanding. checks? And mind you, back in the 80s, it was three days before a check because they literally would mail them through a carrier service to the bank and then the bank would deduct it. So you had three to seven days that you might think you had money in there. And they'd be like, what do you mean outstanding checks? Well, I mean, let me look at your checks that you have on here. And you know, like I have this check and I have this check. Did you write any other checks? Well, I went to Dylan's yesterday. Okay, well, how much was that? Well, I went there, I did pay my water bill, of course. Hello, we're talking to Kim here. I know, but I'm always going to help could, the people. Some people because, could go, "Hey, you might have something outstanding that hasn't hit." And oh yeah, it, mostly. And, and most people, even if they see a blank stare, they're gonna not, not going to be like, "For instance, right?" Well, you know, and give an example. That's the difference between this customer service person, right. or you know, somebody that just doesn't really care. I'm going to take care of my people because I know that, like, I you can look at their bank account. And you're just like, uh, um, I can go back and look at last month and be like, where's your water bill? Where's your KPNL? Where's your this? Where's your that? I can look at that. I can look at the microfish back in the day, and I can see the transactions, and I can help them. So that was one. That was one 
thing that I didn't like. The, I've got one where it's, um, I looked up uh, on Mises.org, and one that they brought up that was a little bit more subtle than I might have otherwise guessed was rent control. I, and so what they're saying about rent control is, of course, it's, it's meant to help, right? It's this big, you know, just intention of helping. But then they say that most of the benefit is just kind of a here first policy. Yeah. Because once you have rent control, uh, then they're saying uh, that then uh, the value of those buildings deteriorates yep. and uh, in quantity and then quality because they're unable to capture the value of their buildings. And then the new construction, because they don't have the value of their buildings, is affected by um, by the fact that they're not getting that value. And so the new construction becomes paralyzed. And so there's a lower supply of rental housing, which means the uh, unless you're one of them who did get on the ground floor, it's just like the Seinfeld and all that where they say, or, did you get into one of those rental control apartments? Because everybody else is screwed. Right. So I thought that was an interesting little take. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, mainly they find no vacancy signs if they're not one of those who get in on the ground floor because it affects the uh, market for people wanting to rent out uh, if they have the uh, the property because they're not getting the value they would otherwise right. get. And then it's kind of like what we said with uh, we are talking off the air and someone who whose uh, rent was going to be increased because for the last two years um, that yeah. those same landlords were not were not being paid thanks yeah. to um, central interventionist policies um, where people got free rent or however that works. So yeah, they have to make it up years. somewhere. Yeah. Uh, so, so, you know, rent, people are paying rent so, control. So you talk Ooh. about rent control. So when you, so normally what happens is you've got this building, it's got people that have been in it for a while and, and people want to come in and they want to do work on it. And, it's maybe 40% occupied. And normally what happens is the people that own that building already know that they're getting ready to sell it and they know the laws of the land. So they're basically trying to eliminate as many people out of that building so they could sell it. And the, the, the more vacancies they have, the more money they're going to be able to sell it for because in a, in a rent-controlled scenario that they're going to have to do because of where, where they're at, they don't want a lot of people with rent control. So let's say that you've got a hundred units and you've got now you have forty people. Now you're, you're you're getting damage on your and your rooms with no real profit for it. Right. Is that why they, well, they'd no. rather have less well, of their property, less of the rooms used, or less of their. Well, no, because let's say they're selling it. Uh, okay. So when you sell it, the people buying it know that if sixty percent of the rooms are vacant. They're not rent controlled. They can go in, fix it up, and charge them $4,000 a month. The rent okay. control comes into play in some of the cities. It can be says, unit by unit. It says, well, it, the, it comes in and says, if you sell this building, anybody that was here for so long, you cannot raise their rent. That's rent. That's a, what they do with a lot of rent control buildings. So you have these little families or these older people that are in there. Well, what happens a lot of times is they try to get them out. So you don't really know. It's, and they're like, you know, there's the there's pests. There's different things that have happened to try to get people to not renew their leases because knowing that these are going to be worth more money because they don't have to do rent control on the new construction. 
But what, then what happens is the new people buy it, they come in and they put in their yuppies and now you've got these rent control people. Some of them move away, some of them die, but they want to get full value for that. And those people are kind of discriminated against sometimes. Yeah. Because they're not paying their share of the rent. Right. Because they know that they're getting $600 and they could get $4,000 for this room. There could be a little intimidation. There could be. And that's when you get that negative aspect well, of and it. Well, you know, you, you think, what what's a term we would kind of hear? Slumlord. Yeah. Well, when they're not getting the value of their property, how much do they want to put back into the property? Correct. Yeah. And they don't have much to put into the property. Right. And now, no, get me wrong. There are some slumlords out there that have nothing to do with this. Those right, are bad right. people. No, but absolutely. they're not, you know, when someone says that when you when you've got this old apartment and the furnace goes out in it. And they're paying $500, and this building has just put, you know, $82 million into it, and they want their stuff done. They're not going to rush up there to get it done necessarily right. because they're not even paying enough to, for the new furnace. Right. So, yet that puts them in an odd position as opposed to just having. Also, uh, and, and now we're talking where, you know, maybe it's a, a high demand. So, Maybe it's not quite the same places here, but lower lowered rents increase the amounts of housing renters would like because, but reduces the housing available. Right. Uh, so then the person who maybe can't afford the deposit as quickly now has more competitors. Right. You know that type of thing. So basically, the benefit, as Mises would say, of of these rent controls is. Uh, it's that a few lucky individuals, those who were there first, capture virtual means, and the rest are left with a smaller and more dilapidated housing supply. Right. So you have that. You also have interest rates. They ever see where they're like, yep. bring in your paycheck and we'll get you that loan. And then they you go to get your car and it's like a car. And by the time you get done paying for it, you're going to pay $5,000. Because the interest rates are so high, there's fees, there's penalties, there's, you know, different things, you know, that are incorporated on there. And they automatically look at your your credit score. And that takes me down to your social security number and your credit score. If you don't understand how credit works, you're going to be one of those millions of people out there that just don't care. They don't understand what's attached to it when they're 18 years old, 19 years old, 20 years old. They're just out living life. You know what? A bounce to check. Big deal. I went and got this loan. They took my car from me. I got this happened. I didn't pay my rent and I got sued. All of this goes to their credit report. And then when they do meet someone intelligent enough to explain to them or they go to get that car and they're like, you have a credit score of 400. So your 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 interest rate is twelve percent. Well, my 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 friend just got one. Their credit score was seven hundred, and they got that they got a, a five percent. So, but that's so much more than me. But it's your credit score. You show that you suck at paying things back. So now we're going to charge you more money. Well, they suck because they don't have it. I mean, not all the time. I got to. There are rich people out there that have bad credit because they have messed up and bought things that they couldn't afford and were able to get out of it because of 
you know, something, but I'm talking low income that didn't realize it. How do they get out of this when they're never going to make enough money to ever raise the credit score? They're never going to own a car because they got repossessed. They're never going to own a house. Yeah, it's uh, until you it's it, to me, you're right. It digs a hole because, uh, you know, this is where you kind of go. It, with anything, and I, I'll apply this to the, to the technocracy. Remember how we said, well, technocracy can't not be affected by politics. So the idea we're going to have a technocratic, perfect little utopian society. Oh, sure, as soon as you get corruption out of politics, because otherwise that's the excuse for leaders to not do their job. Well, that's what the numbers say. That's what the technocrats say. And it's kind of the same thing with these credit scores. Like banks could make more individual decisions and you could shop around because there wouldn't right. be this global score. And then the when, because and you do you still can a little bit, but it's it's less flexibility because so many banks are going to start with what's your credit score, yeah, and then have a range of high to low, and yeah, maybe uh, they're going to give you one where somebody else won't. But if since it's such an automated decision, they're pro- it's probably just going to be whether or not they give you a loan, and then yes, it might be a little bit lower, but it's in the exact same tier. Where you might keep shopping around if if you didn't know that this credit score is really your limitation. Right. Um, before it used to be based on on more like character and if you knew the person, if you kind of convinced it. But you know the other bad thing about that is that there's not that much data granularity. Like it's it doesn't show well. What if they rented for five years and we're always on time? Doesn't show up. Yeah. Um, you know, so these types of things and Experian Boost is helps because that's where right. you can put your, your, you know, your uh, various bills on there. But if you're not using credit cards and yeah, I agree. The um, the uh, it, rather the credit score situation is is something that definitely works towards keeping poorer people poor. Those people that are less likely to be able to afford the car to begin with, it's a higher percentage of their take-home pay get, get penalized and have to literally spend a lot more for that car if they go on the whatever full, what are the long ones, like five years? Yeah, five or six loans, years, yeah. And the short ones are three-year loans, mm-hmm. five or six years. I mean, you get, you know, whatever, 5% higher percentage on a, on, on a car loan over... Right over five years if it was like say you try to get a new car of course we got the answer to that don't get a new car right um, yeah, <laughs> well that's... and i know and i'll just be on my personal my own personal um poorness when i had to file bankruptcy on my ex-husband's sixty thousand dollars worth of credit card bills i did not include my house in that bankruptcy and everything got written off it was all gone on my part he had to pay it off because he didn't file bankruptcy. So I file it, but it just all goes to him. That's kind of how it works. He'd have to file bankruptcy or he could pay it back. I don't know because I don't talk to him. But my credit score went from eight, I had an 830, mm-hmm. and it went down to 650. Because they, they talk about total available Because I had credit. to file bankruptcy. Oh, okay. I filed I bankruptcy. No, I filed bankruptcy. And I had all these credit cards that I didn't even know I had on my credit score saying that I defaulted, defaulted. And so you've got all of that and then you've got the bankruptcy. But by the time the bankruptcy in that seven years, the bankruptcy was gone. So that was, let's say, 2006, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, maybe 13. About that time, the bankruptcy went away 
and I paid my house off and my credit score went 700 back up to eight something I mean it, it went back up really nice because I paid a house off and it just jacked my you know whatever and I also had after the seven years I've got a credit card and it pays it off every single month and I have no debt and I have minimal you know I, I have one well two credit cards and I've got my line but you of credit. still run stuff through it and you've got a I good still line of run it I still run it and I have I, and I pay attention to it but here's what happens is you don't even have to be poor your whole life you could have an illness some sickness medical bills that destroys your credit because you can't pay bills and you can even try to get back up and go get a job and make a hundred thousand dollars a year and guess what you still can't go buy a car unless you're gonna pay cash for this that for a good interest rate well the other thing about it too is that yeah you have to maintain some credit whether or not you use it very much or not in fact one of the main factors is how low are you on the current balance of all of your available credit and if you're very low but you have a lot of credit that, like they haven't shut out the accounts that that's well in your favor and it has nothing to do with whether you pay them off from month to month and, yeah. and if you pay a thousand dollars if at the moment they're looking the balance is a thousand dollars say out of four thousand credit that's not a great that's not a great balance that, that's not no. awful but for, for instance right um, but the other thing too about that is that how did we ever get to it's your personal financial profile and I think things have gotten a little bit better but you have to pay or get hit on your credit to even know it to look at it now I think they did change that a little bit um, because I mean it used to be you could get an annual one I, I know that but I don't know if it's gotten any better no you can check your credit you can go to credit karma and check your credit every day if you wanted to um, because it gives you just an estimate but it used to be that if if let's say that you went to three places to go buy a car and all three of those places ran your credit, you'd lose five points just by them running your credit, which I'm thinking they might have changed that. I don't know. Don't take my word for it. I used to have a preferred person that actually had a job, and their job was to rebuild people's credits, to go through and clean up the credit stuff, because you can write letters and get things taken Isn't that off. amazing and, and to check your credit? To right. have somebody just check, like, oh, shouldn't you know? Well, even if I knew, they still have to check it to see if right. I'm approved. Yeah. How can that be okay? Yeah. Uh, that's just literally theft because all of a sudden you, you're you not eligible for the percentage that you've already earned? Right. Who knows? So if you don't operate uh, very quickly on that, then you have – it takes several months to, for that to uh, – you know, get a little higher. Not not months and months, but that's it. Now, what did you mean by? I know you tied it together, but I was a little confused on the social security number that you had. That's that your on the that's list. your credit. Okay, I didn't. I that's didn't know just you your meant. credit. You they they, they like you have to give them your social security number, and then that's how they check your credit. It's under your social security number. So if somebody steals your social security number and, and screws it all up, you got bad credit. That social security number is very important. And that's how people screw with their credit. But social security number, that's your credit. I just wrote down that. Yeah, that another way. one that I found interesting, uh, let me find it here real quick, was I mean, I know this and I'm not I'm not arguing against, I'm just reading some interesting points on it. Maybe I won't because I can't find it. Uh, yeah. Is 
the idea of just bear with me. I'm not being militant about this, but especially when hikes happen, because I understand why some people would argue that minimum wage should go up, because otherwise it seems like companies don't seem to just raise raise wages. So I get it. But do understand that when minimum wage goes up and you are now having to compete with higher competitive, you know, more experienced workers and you know what your one benefit was as a minimum wage person that your competitiveness in your wage yep and now you are are potentially let alone that everything that we all know is that you're potentially either going to get less fringe benefits or you're going to get less hours yep you know if the business climate itself hasn't improved so that everybody's doing pretty well and so they're still, and of course the argument is they're always going to be looking for that last penny. I do, I do get that. I understand that's a factor, but regardless, or however you want to analyze that, just comparing apples to apples, they're going to do things like, well, if we put them underneath thirty hours, then we don't have to. I don't know if that's the the limit right, for yeah. having to pay, you know, benefits. Uh, benefits and things. So. In that regard, just understand those are some of the extra factors that happen with um, minimum wage um, increases. And, and again, well, I'm not trying to be militant about it. Just trying to bring up that those are actual factors in real life. You know, you right. can have yeah. you can have great intentions all you want, but understand that it will have an effect. If somebody <laughs> so. if somebody's working a 7.25 an hour job, and then everybody has to now make it 15 dollars. That person that's there is now basically going to be working one and a half person's jobs. They're not just going to say, oh, okay, well, all 35 of you, we're going to go ahead and just raise it and double your salary and just we're fine about it. They're going to say, out of the 30 of you, we're going to keep 20. Right. And now you've 10 people have lost their jobs, if not 20 people lost their jobs because they did not have the skills to now take on the new job description that an employer thinks is going to be $15 an hour. Nobody's really thinking about that when it comes into job. Job security goes away when you've got a college kid that's like, I'll be glad to work for $15 an hour. And now a mom that needs that second job, but she's not she's not as motivated or maybe her kid does get sick and she has to miss it. Well, what, I got a kid that's going to come in and hasn't missed a day in three months and you've missed four days. Who's going to lose their job? So before you out, before you out job yourself and you have to start thinking about what's going to happen to the bottom line. Businesses are in business to make money. And unfortunately, some employees do not understand that concept. If you don't want to, then you have to find a better job, get some training, and go in and find out how you can afford it. Here's another thing. There are a lot of things that low-income people can get for free. There's Mm -hmm. food. There's rent assistance because you can get in rent assistance. And you can get a free education with a Pell Grant. Right. And a lot of people don't even understand that, but you have to be able to go to school. You have to be able to do that. And there's a lot of opportunities out there for you. The problem is, is that in order to pay the bills, even if it's for low or reduced rent, you still have to work three jobs that you're, you know, trying to make the money or spouse or kids or whatever. Another thing that's going to keep them down are your driving record and insurance. 
Yeah, that's... Because... Well, even just age, that weird thing. And I, I get it. It still seems a little odd <laughs> to me that a kid doesn't just get the penalty once they actually... I mean, I, I get that you do have... what do you, Not the adjusters. If people are looking at the big numbers and trying to spread it across all the demographics, it's an insurance... Analyst? Not an analyst, but a word like that. So I get that when you're 18, because the chances are more likely. Well, I mean, the statistics show. Yeah, but it would be kind of cool if, yeah, by the time you're 19, you you know, you get a little bit. It's not just that it doesn't drop until you're 25 or whatever it is. Because <laughs> that's, uh, I mean, a lot of times parents end up paying some of that, but not necessarily once you're out. No, I was going to say, adult. yeah. Well, but another thing is, is if let's just say that you get two speeding tickets or you get some tickets or you, if for whatever reason, and maybe it's not just because you're, uh, you know, a, a bad person. A normal person could go in and say, like, I'm just going to pay double fines. I'm going to pay this. There's ways of getting that to not go on your your record. That's insane to me. I mean, it's literally, when you brought this up, that's where I'm like, man, she is on a roll. <laughs> like, double the fine to not go on your record? Isn't that just called bribery? Well, I we mean, can take just, We can take this out of... To you get me, a it's diversion. Like, it's just like you pay, they say you pay for a diversion. So it might not be double the ticket. It might be. Did I break the law or did I not? Is this is this an important enough law to be put on my record? You can get a diversion if you got a battery. Stalking. Yeah, you can get, you can get any, like there's crimes out there that you can get breaking into someone's house. If it's your first offense, they can give you a diversion for it. So they call it a diversion, meaning we're just going to kind of seal it and don't get in trouble again. Not to say that you can do it five times, but you can still get a diversion and it doesn't hit your insurance. But if you don't have knowledge of that or you don't know what's going on, you get a speeding ticket, it goes on your insurance, and that second one, now your insurance goes up higher. Or because your, you weren't privileged point, you to get it. You to can't hold afford it, to to do it. I just think it's odd. To me it sounds like a systematically um, a systematic way to isn't that what, what, what you know, Mexican Highway uh, Patrol are famous to do? Oh, well, oh. we don't, if you pay me now, exactly, but that's, then this but doesn't that's go anywhere. But that's just the way the world works. It's just what happens. If you pay me this $150, well, and that's we, going, we can just go ahead and just act that's like this paying, That's happen. paying someone personally. This is paying the city. But what's the Same difference? Same thing. <laughs> what's the difference? Here's the difference. Listen, this an, won't be on your record. If an, you can. an individual does not have the right to do what the government has to do. The government can freaking keep sending me all these stupid notices that I have to keep working on for free because I can't charge anybody for it. And I need to get the crap set up. It's their fault. I can't charge the government. But sure in hell, if I don't you send the government something, if I make a mistake, then they're going to charge me penalties, interest, fees, all this shit that I have to pay. I don't get a cent. So the government can do whatever they want. If the government says you have the opportunity to get a diversion, all you have to do is pay this and the court costs and this extra fee, that's fine. But they don't still have the money to do it and it hits their insurance and the insurance goes up. And I'm not saying that your insurance shouldn't go up. It's just that you don't have the same option to try to just say, like, this is my first offense or my second offense or whatever it is. I think that is. I, I thought and another interesting thing was, and I, I don't, I, I do believe that there has to be, um, it's true that I believe in minimal government because I think it screws up almost everything. But we're so far from, you know, my ideals versus that, that 
it's it's not going to be in my lifetime. So uh, even you know strict libertarians like me are like, well, yeah, there's welfare. For what do you, I mean? What am I going to do? Be upset over welfare when instead we have so much worse stuff going on? But you know, it is kind of weird about the if you do, and it makes sense in some way, but it also is confusing that oh well, don't you try to work now? You know these type like. I know that with, I don't know, Medicaid or Medicare, you know, you can get benefits, but then you better not be working too much. That's my that's my very last one. Okay, yeah. Go my ahead. very last ahead one ahead is once you start to get improved and you've had these benefits that are subsidizing you, and it's actually a positive thing. So let's look at the majority of people on assistance and not the 2% that you know take advantage of the system. You've got a single mom, she's got two kids, she is working you know, a full-time job, and she's making you know, $10 an hour. And, and I'm, this is totally made up numbers. So I'm not, don't go calculate and be like, that's not how it is. So let's say she's making $10 an hour. And with that, she gets $350 a month in, in food stamps. Okay. So she's making $10 an hour and she gets $350 in food stamps. And she also, um, lives over here in, um, assisted living stuff all right she works her ass off and gets a two dollar an hour raise now remember at ten dollars so you have three hundred and fifty dollars times twelve so how much is that that is zero ten seven zero five three twelve that's forty two hundred dollars forty two hundred dollars that she's getting in food, okay? So now she makes $2 more an hour, so that's 80 times 52, that's 16, and that's 40, so that's 4160. She gets a $2 an hour raise, which is 4160. She loses her food stamps, they take 25% of her money, and so now she makes less money because she's doing better on her job. Right. Yes. So why are you going to work to do better if we have our lo- the, the things down there so low that how is, and I'm just making this up, how is the $10 versus $12, how much better of a life is she giving those two kids? with an extra couple dollars. And like I said, these are not real numbers. I don't have the real numbers, but this is how it works. The more money you make, the less you get. And all of a sudden they go, oh, you don't qualify for assisted rent anymore. So now you have to pay $1,000 a month rent or $800 a month rent. You got $4,100 or $5,000, and now you're paying $9,000 in rent. Cla- if you're in that class of... Just uh, that wobble area. Where you don't have a lot of examples or family history of where you do make that next leap and just become a above that type of, you know, a kind of a welfare class... That's where you might hesitate because you are so you are worried about that amount. Right. Instead of understanding, 
well, that's okay. Maybe I can make 10000 another year if I keep going like this. And all this is null and void. You know, you might find yourself hesitating and then you stay down I know. And, I, and another thing is, is, and I, you know, this happened, you know, in my life is you have to look at your income and then, you know, um, with my daughter, my daughter got a Pell Grant. So you're looking at, let's just, I'm just going to say um, $7,000 a semester. Let's say $15,000 a year. And if I made an extra $4,000 a year, then I would lose $15,000 a year in Pell Grants, or I might only lose $5,000 a year. You, you're looking at these numbers, and I've looked at them so many times of how it works, whether it's earned income credit right. or all these things that are trying to help the poor people. It's so It's so not set up to allow you to actually make it feel comfortable about it and then want to make a little bit more to where when you do lose that money it you, you it doesn't hurt yeah, as i mean much. I, I, there's income limits on even like disability right right I mean, uh and i feel like but i could be wrong there there's even things like uh, what is your current savings you know yes. can your savings so, which so. is which works see what what happens in a <laughs> is that the great thing is with freedom, you have the freedom to go, you know what? I don't make a lot of money, but I am going to save every penny because darn it, I'm going to get a house or whatever. And then you have some going, what, why is your savings that high? Yeah, It, it works again because you know how many people have become the first in their family. All of a right. sudden you find out about someone who had a lot of money and you didn't know it because they... Saved. They got they they saved and they got their house and they were the little they were actually doing really well for themselves because they were right. very responsible and this is an incentive to you know have to have to go blow money on her on a certain basis even, and you're like uh, I don't even know if I, want to, I don't know that I really want to blow my money anywhere but I guess I need to Social Security Social Security until you get to a certain age you can only have so much money. And I believe it was disability, or I don't know which one it is. But I know that if you have too much money in your checking account, they literally take money away from you. Like, you can't even have it. So what does that make? What does that make people do? What that does is make people hide money. Yeah. It makes people set up an account in their kid's name. Or like feel, you can't yeah. even be, you can't even do things right because you're still struggling. Or just stay in but scarcity But our system mode. wants to yeah. keep you down. And they punish you. Like, they do punish and, you. And, and I get it because you go, well, how are you going to have rules then? And I do get it. So it's not yeah. absolutely simple, but some of them surely do seem backwards and they're worthy of, you know, they're, they're worthy of, of criticizing or thinking about. I think it's like, on well, one of our... obviously we can't, we, we, we want to have a limit at which, and I don't know, it could almost be a calculation at this point. How hard is it to go instead of when you hit this particular peak? All of a sudden, your benefits are four thousand lower. Right. I'm pulling numbers out of the right, air. Just making. Why it couldn't up. it just be linear? Right. You know, as you make more money, then you get less, and there's none of well, these. Well, they have that. I mean, they do. They it's have like some it, of that. Yeah, because it goes by your income. So if you get like a depending, if you get like a twenty-five cent raise, I had a daycare. I had a daycare mom who turned down a fifty-cent raise for a year because she was going to lose. The thirty dollars worth of benefits per week that she got for the daycare, and fifty cents didn't come up with the thirty dollars a week, and then her employer finally said, "I have to give you that raise," 
and she lost all of her daycare assistance, meaning it left me with zero dollars. So instead of getting paid $65, I was only taking the $30 because she only made, she didn't make enough money to pay the house payment for her and her daughter to live on it. And then I lost the $30 because she got a 50 cent raise. Well, 50 cent raise take 25% of that away. So yeah. really she got a 37 cent yeah. raise. Working, taking 40 hours, it didn't make enough if money. If she got all that, that'd only be $20. $20. $20. And then it's really only three-fourths of that. That's $15 yeah. she's getting extra. So she's lost by she She's lost $15. 100%. Yeah, because they gave her a 50-cent raise. That's how our freaking world works. And I just really wish that, and I think we've done the podcast on it, about my, my ways of I would say that this would work. It would cost us money to educate people and get them off of the system. And it also would eliminate a lot of the fraud. There's just ways out there that well, I know we could do it. what's irritating to me is that, I hate to make big picture with everything, but huh, you know, I'm in the public sector and I have told you endless stories of massive waste that if yeah. applied if that money was applied, hey, maybe we'd have a nice sidewalk in front of, oh, I don't know, the Capitol building instead right. of one that looks like it's been in a neighborhood that is 70 years old. Right. You know, because we'll waste hundreds of thousands. And then we wonder why we can't, uh, you know, have better social programs or have sensible ones. I, I don't listen to Tucker Carlson any kind of systematically. But when I do, it's very interesting. And he... Um, brought up, uh, I can't, I can't remember what he was talking about last night. But yeah, these type of like counterproductive uh, situations where the rent control in San Francisco, I don't know, they're creating. Oh, it was homeless and, and homeless housing, which you think would be a good idea, but developers are making an arm and a leg over it. Right. Because instead of it even being rent control, where you go, well, yeah, you're going to get a little, you're going to get your money, but you're not going to get. Uh, you're not going to make a windfall. Instead, because the homeless are not paying for anything, you take the amount of the program divided by the amount of housing units, it's, it's clearly just a windfall for developers. Right. And then you wonder why you don't have money for uh, true social programs, programs because you're wasting it here and here and here and here and here. And not necessarily the people that are, that people that are not paying any sort of a rent, probably not keeping the property as nice as possible because right. there's no there's you, as, no as he said you get what you pay for because <laughs> at some point some big law firm took on somebody's right to go sleep in the public park and and then that's one thing because it went to the right. supreme court and it was allowed but it's another thing entirely you kind of get what you paid for when all of a sudden like there he counted off situations where the homeless budget was more than those small business grants in the middle right. of the COVID thing. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, this it's like at some point, you know what also hurts poor people? Really bad misallocation of funds generally right. in the government. Where well, if you're going to at least believe some small amount of government should be helping those in need, and hopefully that's for a temporary time period, but you got to use some of it. And then instead, you're wasting 
millions. I'm not even talking on the municipality level, wasting millions. But when you're building those kind of projects, normally they're short-term projects, meaning they're going to get buttloads of money to build this stuff, and then they leave it alone, and then everything just falls apart. A lot of the Olympic because cities. It's, because it's done. Like, nobody wants to upkeep it. And it just goes away, but they make tons of money on the front end of it. Right. And there's no plan put in place to maintain it. We've had a couple projects like that in Topeka where they were like, we're going to get this done. And then all of a sudden someone goes, hey, I'm like, who's going to maintain this? In order to put this and this and this in, <laughs> this is going to cost about $100,000 a year. And then they're like, what do you mean $100,000 a year? I mean, well, we're not going to pay for it. Yeah, but you're doing the project. Yeah, I know, but we put this much money into it. And then all of a sudden you find out that there's nobody to maintain it. So then private businesses come in and say, here, you know what? Why don't we give you so much money? And then we'll pay to put our name on something and we'll we'll do this and then we'll pay for it. And then, oh, let's just go ahead. You know what? We're just going to do this and we're going to do that. And then now people are trying to figure out how they can make the most money off of this project. And it just becomes, it just becomes crazy. So anyway, all right, guys. Well, that is my... Um, keeping people poor. I really wish we could do better. I work with a lot of low-income people that I try to help as best as possible. Um, really quick, when I was younger, when I won the lottery, yesterday, I was gonna take the money and go find a like a hundred acres of water. And water, you just picked up a bottle of water. I was like, water. <laughs> I was wondering. Land. I was like, that's I was gonna pick a hundred acres of land, and I was gonna build a community for low-income families that they would have to come in and take classes. They would do cooking classes. They would have their own place to live. They would have to have jobs. They had daycare provided. They would come in there, and then there would be sections to where you start here, then you move to the next one, then you move to the next one, and then the other one was we get you into your own house. And that by that time, through the three-year program, we've saved up enough of your money, you've worked for this and that, and you have somebody there to tell you about all the yep. services and assistance that you can get. That was my dream to win if I won the lottery. So yeah, because we, we talked about this in another episode, with, but the idea being that you're getting education to try to understand this really should be temporary, and it really is a phase, it's almost like the opposite of uh at the end of life assisted living <laughs> right know? it's like assisted to get better and yeah. better and better exactly. and get educated and then get on out of there and understand and let it be an upwardly mobile thing and not something that creates a limit for you right you know, mentally and psychologically and each one of my levels gave you more incentive to become this level so this level might not have let's just say a swimming pool and they might not have a bowling alley but when you go to the second level and you move into this area over here they have a swimming pool they have a bowling alley or little things over there in part of the club because it shows them when you're when you're down here at making fifteen thousand dollars a year this is what you have and we're gonna move you up and we're gonna work hard with the employers to get you up to $30,000 a year or $25,000 a year, by the time you're at $40,000 a year, we're going to get you your own place and you should be good. 
and that each of those levels that's a lot of levels but yeah i guess it was I've just been... it was just three levels in one year you have one year to get it if not you get cooked out and booted like you're gone yeah i mean if you, you can't you got, do it you got you're some, out you got some experience from it but you, you have three years you have three years it. to go through this to become it's not going to happen in a year it's not going to happen in a year but you're still paying your rent you're still paying the bills you have now but a percentage of that money goes into an account for you to buy a house later, you still have to put the pay for your food. You still have to pay for every possible thing. But the money that we collect goes into your bank account that builds you a house or buys you a house. So basically just te uh, teaching through no, seriously, actually exercising yeah, you're financial uh, responsibility and, right. uh, you know, and, and planning and that type of a yep. thing. And, it, and, and you can tell, you, and you know what? They fail after 30 days. You know what? You're out. You're gone. This is for people who really want to become over here. And I think you'd be like a waiting list of people that would love to be able to come in, but they still have to be smart and responsible. But anyway. Uh, so uh, reg regarding all this, you might find interesting, and this is one that's on the way for me on Quick Rant of Truth. I did a Isaiah's job uh, reading of one of my favorite essays. You can find that back there. And the next one I've recorded is what I was recording when you called me. Um, I will be putting up an essay called, uh, a reading of an essay called I Pencil. And I just think it's one of the most interesting things. And it does kind of talk about this type of thing. Like when you try to plan, you better be careful like how much you think you can plan or there could be trouble. And I don't mean in your situation, but I mean generally. So it kind of overlaps with some of this. Uh, yeah. I Pencil by Leonard Reed. You can find it on fee.org, but I'm gonna, I'm, I've recorded a reading of that. I just haven't finished putting it up yet. Awesome, all right guys. <clears throat> I just lost my voice. Thank you so much for giving us your time. We always appreciate our listeners. And we're excited that we get to keep doing this show. Make sure to go to Facebook and comment or on Anchor. Send us a voicemail. We love to hear those. Um, if you haven't joined our Facebook group, you should do that. Um, you might even want to go over to TikTok. If you're there, look for me on Kimology 411. Thank you, Tyson, for helping make Kimology 411 so awesome. Yeah, you can find uh, mostly on Facebook. I just kind of post my most recent uh, episodes, but you can also find me on Gab now as well as a little bit on MeWe. I think it's about all I really go hang out on. Um, I do have some video channels, but I don't really do video anymore. I was doing that for a little while, and it was kind of nice, but a little bit more work to have to organize. I'm hitting a nice stride um, to just record on my phone and put things up for the most part. So that stride is good. So you're not going to find me much on Rumble or BitChute or Brighteon. Um, but I do have some stuff there. But catch me on any of those three social media if you'd like. And you don't forget to go check out. We're actually back to normal this week. So we have Systematic Chaos on January 26th. I'm going to talk about... Um, how I didn't die eating lunch with Tyson. Um, I we talked about getting a massage. My girls' night. I got W2s out. Dallas trip. And um, what did you talk about? Well, we talked about a certain very oh. prominent NFL team oh, and yeah. their recent successes. And I talked about uh, um, well, just a family thing really. And then I talked about a Senator Marshall 
who is man, he's he's I'm impressed. Very, very he's on fire! Fire! Like like he's like uh, watching Rand and taking notes and uh, what do you call it? Don't don't leave any prisoners. And also uh, talked about some of my episodes as well over on the scale of truth. Just kind of gave a very quick just rundown. So some other things too, but that's mostly what we want. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, keep taking all of your adventures, and we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye.